It's a short week, but the Green Bay Packers played the Detroit Lions. They know this team. They've been playing this team twice a year forever. Well, except this team hasn't, especially on offense, and they're going against a team that on both sides of the ball has much more experience going up against this version of the Packers. So what does that mean for this matchup? Plus, our pal Ben Fennell joins us to break down some X's and O's, some scheme talk, offensively, defensively, all the good stuff on today's episode. Let's do it. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Ben Fennell on the show today, our film master general. He is here to talk about Jordan Love, the offense under Matt LaFleur, Joe Barry, his approach, and how sometimes the approach doesn't have to change that much. If guys just play better, you look like a much better coach. I was thinking about this matchup, Packers-Lions, and, and Matt LaFleur mentioned, you know, it's a common opponent. So for the coaches... They've seen this team. And in the Dan Campbell era, the Packers, this has been a team that has played the Packers tough. In fact, the last couple of years, even going back to a little bit pre-Dan Campbell, the Lions have won the last three games in this series, including sweeping the team last year, winning in Week 18 Lambeau Field. This is a Lions team that is coming into the season with expectations in ways that they haven't before. But so far, they're meeting those expectations. Played really well against an Atlanta Falcons team that came back to beat the Packers in week two. And Jared Goff has seen Joe Barry's defense. Ben Johnson has seen Joe Barry's defense. And they had Jair Alexander for those games. Now, this defense has played well against the Detroit Lions offense, against Jared Goff. And, and the, the motions and the, the creative schemes that they bring to bear and the way that they test defenses. The Packers have been ready for it. They've had plans for it. And generally speaking, they've done pretty well against it. This version of the Lions has also never seen this Packers front playing like this. That's something we're going to talk about with Ben Fennel. This front and their ability to get after you to get after the quarterback, to create disruption. Jared Goff, against against pressure, he is just a totally different cat. And so for the Packers, their ability to make life uncomfortable for him, to set up second and long, and then to defend the middle of the field, that stuff hasn't changed. So defensively, you go, okay, the Packers know what's coming from Jared Goff in this offense. No Jamison Williams. Um, We'll see on David Montgomery. And so 
that part of it, pretty static in terms of matchup on matchup. But if Jair Alexander can't go, this back injury, we don't really know what the details of it are. Sometimes you you just you tweak a muscle and you might be out a week, two weeks, three weeks. Who knows? We we have no idea what the situation is with this injury. Crops up. A lot of times something crops up on a Friday injury report and you're just like, oh, well, giving him a little bit of extra rest, woke up sore, whatever. No. Now, the injury designations for Monday were Wednesday injury designations like they had practice. They didn't. So they're made up designations anyway. But still not great that he wasn't out there, that Christian Watson wasn't out there. Aaron Jones was designated a limited participant. The other side of this, though, is Aaron Glenn, he's seen at least Matt LaFleur's offense. Now, he's not seen this specific offense, but also, like, every team in the league is running a version of the Matt LaFleur offense because it's the Kyle Shanahan offense, it's the Sean McVay offense, and, and every team runs it with a little different kind of sprinkle. But... There's a lot of crossover. Like Arthur Smith, a lot of the concepts in there, not so different from what the Packers are running, except they don't trust the quarterback to make any throws. And so that was a totally different game plan coming in than what the Lions are going to have to put together to stop Jordan Love. That is part of, I think, some advantage for the Packers is the Lions have never game planned for a Jordan Love-led offense. And that creates things that you didn't have to plan for before. Zone read in the low red zone, for example. The Packers score a touchdown on that. You got to prepare for it. That throwback screen in week one, that was never in the Aaron Rodgers repertoire. You got you to gotta prepare for it. Flea flicker deep shots, you got to prepare for those. Now the Packers have put those specials on tape. You got to prepare for those in ways that you didn't have to before. But Jaden Reed... He's never prepared to play the Detroit Lions. Luke Musgrave, he's never prepared prepared to play the Detroit Lions. Dontavian Wicks. Emmanuel Wilson. These, these guys, Tucker Craft, Jordan Love as the starter, he he's never done that. So that's a that's a disadvantage on a short week when that institutional knowledge is so crucial. Now, yes, you have your coaches and they've done it. But it's the players who have to go out and actually do the thing. They have to go out and play. And so it's one thing when Aaron Rodgers gets to see the same defense, the same team. I know I just, I have good vibes when I go out and I play the Bears every time. I just know I I own this team. The vibes, they're immaculate. No, the Packers, the vibes in the Packers locker room have to be pretty off the charts right now, given what happened in, in the fourth quarter of that game, especially after the way you lost in Atlanta, which, by the way, interesting note, our pal Ross Jackson, who was on our crossover last week, noted that the Saints, their reaction to losing to the Packers was akin to losing a playoff game. They were pissed about it. Pretty upset, pretty dejected that they lost that game. Week one, the Bears, pretty pretty dejected that they lost to the Packers. In fact, one Bears media member referred to it as the most dejected he'd ever seen a team in the locker room. Now, the Bears don't play in many big games, so like, there's there's really nothing like losing a playoff game. They lost one, and it was on a double doink in a game that they probably didn't deserve to win anyway. Different circumstances, I get it. This Packers team, after week two, they go, Jaden Reed says, let's, let, let's let it build for us, not break us. 
I forget the exact line, but it was something like that. Something very sage and wise, especially for a rookie. This young team, in a lot of ways, doesn't know what they don't know. And I love that about them. The last thing that I want to point out on this is if there is going to be something that's going to mitigate the lack of institutional knowledge that these rookies, because the Packers are relying very heavily on rookies, more than half of Jordan Love's passing yardage went to rookies uh, on, on Sunday. The rest basically went to Romeo Dobbs and A.J. Dillon, basically. Um, Samori Toure caught the two-point conversion. In week two, the Packers played Ryan Nielsen's defense, the Atlanta Falcons defense. Ryan Nielsen comes from the Dennis Allen tree. In week three, they played literally Dennis Allen and his defense. And in week four, they play Aaron Glenn, who not only played for Dennis Allen, but coached under Dennis Allen. There is going to be plenty of crossover here. Now, the Lions, they like to play a little bit more man coverage. They're not, they might not play quite as much Tampa too, but there's going to be plenty of crossover here. And so this is a, a schematic anomaly, basically. Like you just don't see this. Now on offense, you do. Like you might play a Shanahan tree team three weeks in a row. You might play the Rams, the 49ers, and the Packers in a three-week span. Or, you know, the Vikings, the Browns, and the Dolphins. If you're an AFC team, you might have that on the schedule. Like there, there's just so many teams now running a version of this offense that it's not that bizarre defensively to prepare to play this Shanahan tree wide zone under center play action game, you know, every week. This is a little bit different. And for this offense, this young offense, the Brat Pack offense, it I think is particularly useful for them that this is, it's not like they have to go see Brian Flores on a short week. That would be a different thing. And so this, I think, can help mitigate that just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, we're going to talk to Ben Fennel, our pal, coming up in just a second here on Locked on Packers. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. Nutrafol provides a whole body health approach for men that promotes healthier hair. No drugs, no compromises, just better hair. Men think losing their hair is inevitable. Take control of your hair's future with Nutrafol's science-backed hair growth supplement for men. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp scalp coverage. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their health quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will help you get a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step toward visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNFL. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKEDONNFL. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code locked on NFL. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every day is Lily Zhao on the program tomorrow. 
a Zaoyu doing off a dub. We've got uh, our pal Matt Derry, my Syracuse brother, uh, on the show on Thursday, crossover Thursday, ahead of Thursday night. Of course, we go live on Thursday night. That is going to be your Friday podcast episode. A lot to get to and a lot of fun to be had coming up this week on Locked on Packers. Joining me now, one of my favorite people to talk ball with, one of our longtime contributors and friends here on Locked on Packers, Ben Fennell. And, and Ben, this has been a different opportunity for people like you and I to sit back and watch this team and dive into some of the scheme. Um, you, you picked up something that, that I missed on the, what you called a hot and go that they might've run against that one up. Yep. Right. I I love the, I love the idea. It has to be called that now from, from now on, but (laughs) now the floor is, is doing some fun stuff this season. How did you expect this offense to change versus what we've actually seen here? You know, I think that was kind of a million dollar question heading in. We thought we'd see the, you know, the full purest Matt LaFleur offense. You know, I kind of pushed back on that a little bit as I have been the preacher of Aaron Rodgers game managing MVP. And it was a beautiful marriage of talent and scheme. And, you know, Rodgers accepting his MVP saying, thanks for making it so easy on me. That was a huge kind of pat on the back to LaFleur and his scheme there. But moving on to the Jordan Love era, I expected more of the same. You know, a foundational scheme built off the run game and schemed open throws and, you know, a lot of shots down the field off play action. And um, that doesn't always go to planning games. And you have to kind of ditch the the scheme and the, you have to ditch the script and you have to get into a drop back game when you're down multiple scores. And I thought what Jordan Love showed in the fourth quarter was really exciting for the future of that position and the future of, you know, his career uh, as far as being a Packer. But uh, expectations of LaFleur's system and scheme, I think have been pretty up to par. Um, I think it's Jordan Love's play that is certainly under the microscope, in my opinion, much more than what is Matt LaFleur going to cook up for the young kid. The young kid needs to execute whatever groceries are in the cupboard and whatever recipes are, you know, kind of being brought to the table there. So I think he's much more under the microscope, in my opinion. Yeah, and and to your point, I don't think there were a lot of people going – Matt LaFleur, there were probably some very disingenuous arguments being made. Oh, it was all Aaron Rodgers, like Matt LaFleur, whatever, whatever. But anyone that watched this team and certainly studied the the concepts and the stuff, like understood Matt LaFleur over the last couple of years, was doing some fun, interesting things. Uh, But now we saw, and you mentioned this, in the fourth quarter, it had to just be Jordan Love, let's get an empty, and let's see what, what he can do. And I thought... Frankly, for the most part, he acquitted himself nicely. What did you What did you see in that fourth quarter from Jordan Love? Well, firstly, just defining that moment, defining that situation for a young quarterback when you aren't the schemed quarterback anymore. You aren't the system quarterback when you're down 17 in the fourth quarter. You can't rely on early down run game and schemed open answers. Right? That is really one of the main cogs and chips to being a franchise quarterback is when you get down multiple scores, is the offense buried or do you still have a chance? Because defenses play you different. Defenses allocate their resources to the pass and you have to pass. So it's kind of a challenging moment for young quarterbacks. And we have seen some feast or famine over the last five, 10 years of young quarterbacks in that situation. Some quarterbacks that are excellent system quarterbacks 
can't overcome that hurdle when they get down multiple scores. I think that was the knock on guys like Jimmy G in San Francisco and some other guys that perform well when it's all working. But we all know it's the NFL. Things go haywire. You know, things can get turbulent at times. Defenses are full of millionaires, too, and they make some really good plays. So, you know, reflecting to Jordan Love and what he did, you know, having to put the team on his back in a true drop back sense in the fourth quarter, it was amazing to see. And I just love the resiliency because it was three quarters of dysfunction. There were a lot of bad drives. It was six bad drives that one kneeled down before halftime, not counting that, (laughs) where it was awful. You know, there was no run game going. There was drops going. There was young receivers running the wrong routes. Um, And then you finally get it moving, Peter. 12-play drive. You turn it over on downs. I thought that was the burying kind of drive of the day of we finally moved it, and we still couldn't come away with points. I thought it was done after that. But then for them to go – field goal, touchdown, touchdown after that, it was amazing to see. And everything worked. You know, every drive is an opportunity to get it right. And that's what I tweeted this morning. And not only the drives, the six, seven drives up to that moment, even things like Romeo Dubs, he was 0 for 3 on those fades up until that game winner. They didn't have a great connection. They had a couple in-between balls where was it back shoulder? Was it a fade on that one deeper one? And then uh, they couldn't connect on the the short low red zone plays up until that back shoulder. Jaden Reed had a couple heartbreaking drops. He Mm -hmm. finally got it right. That's the great thing about drives and plays. It's an opportunity to get it right. But will the young guys bury themselves with what happened previously? And that's what I love to see from all those young players is the confidence And the short-term memory of saying, you know what, we can get it right. Next play is an opportunity. And that's what I saw from Jordan Love, the offense, the young players collectively. It was really great to see. And I have to point out, after that 12-play drive where they turned the ball over on downs, the defense, it it could have just been over. You you said you thought it was over. I I had actually stopped taking notes at that point because I was just like, okay, well. Yeah, that's a pen-clicking moment. Yeah, this this game's over. The defense gets a three and out. And the Packers get the ball right back. They come down, they get the field goal. And it wasn't quite game on from that point, but the Packers come back, five plays, punt. And now they they go down and score. And you knew it was game on from that point moving forward. So uh, there was a lot of, and I was included in this, kvetching about Joe Barry in this game. Hmm. What what have you seen so far this year? Because he said this is going to be a different defense. Kenny Clark said this is going to be a different defense in game in week one. It looked like a different defense in week two, at least in the fourth quarter, it did not look like a different defense. So what is the truth? What is, what is the real on this Joe Barry defense right now? From a back end perspective, I don't see a whole lot of difference to be honest with you. Maybe there's an occasional more press coverage look, but there's still, I think 31st right now via PFF in their press coverage look, which I think Mm -hmm. is a cornerbacks alignment within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So there's still not a man-to-man, in-your-face, press-you-jam-you, disrupt-you scheme. Which, remember, fans, everything has pros and cons. That scheme has some cons as well. So the way Joe Barry wants to play a little bit loose and off has some advantages as well. But the front is what I see a lot different. I see Quay Walker, a much more cerebral player. I see him used in a much more advantageous way to tap into his speed, explosiveness, skill set. And like that I talked about in August – the disruptive nature of the front through scheme, a lot of slanting and scraping, a lot of twists, a lot of linebacker blitzes, where you're just trying to disrupt the offensive 
flow timing blocking scheme, particularly on early downs. So I think I've seen a you know some more disruption in the front and players playing better. You know, TJ Slayton is playing better. Kenny Clark is ramping it up again. Rashawn Barry, Gary is back to form. Enobare is in year two and looking like he's a step quicker off the ball and things like that. So, you know, as much as we want to point to scheme and some sort of structural change, the player's got to play better. You know, I know Darnell Savage is still an up and down player, but he has played better at times. You know, Jair Alexander, I still want to show up and play better and make those picks and be that, you know, high price cornerback that you are. And we know you can be a all pro corner. I have high expectations of him. I need him to play better. But at the end of the day, I'm seeing players playing better. And I think that will always make things look and feel better, you know, when you're watching the film back on Monday. Yeah, I, I thought Justice Mosqueda did a great job after the Falcons game. He, he put together a, a clip reel of just bad individual plays. Yeah. It's like Joe Barry is not at fault for a guy, two guys, a defensive player running into another defensive player on a game. It is not Joe Barry's fault when you just whiff tackles. Like that's not a Joe Barry problem. You still have to be in a position to go make those plays. More to come here with Ben Fennel on Locked On Packers as we press on. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, New customers can get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. Packers open one and a half point underdogs to the Detroit Lions. I don't quite understand that one. Public base models, point models had this. The Lions about three quarters of a point better than the Packers on a neutral field coming into this past weekend, can't see the line swinging so far the other way, but that has to be what the assumption is based on injuries. Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, Christian Watson, Jair Alexander. So if the betting markets have anything to, to say about it, they're not optimistic about that one. If you are optimistic, if you think the Packers can win anyway, as I do, go to FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel.com is the official partner. Of the NFL. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Every day, go check out what we're doing over at The Leap. The Leap.football. I have a piece up there today. And uh, our subtext. Locked On Packers is the subtext. Uh, we had a lot of fun during the game on Sunday. Um, more since then. So you guys are really having fun with that platform. I am having a lot of fun with that platform. Go check out what we're doing on subtext. I want to ask something for this week because I was I was going through this and I thought this was one of those really interesting things that's just a quirk of the schedule. In week two, they played a Falcons defense coached by Ryan Nielsen, who's a former Dennis Allen coach. In week three, they played Dennis Allen. And then this week against the Lions, they play Aaron Glenn, who played four and coached under Dennis Allen. So what kind of... Uh, uh, if you think there is any sort of advantage you think to seeing this much, this consecutive number of weeks. And by the way, you get to see it against a, an offense, at least last week, that looked very similar in some structures to the way that the Packers want to play. Yeah, I think similar on the back end. I think how the Packers will want to attack coverage and some downfield shots. But each of those teams front sevens are so much different with their linebacking core, who that alpha presence is on the front. Not sure there is one in Atlanta. 
you know, Saints, you know, obviously have the the ghost of Cam oh, come, Jordan. Come on, I got to speak up for Grady Jarrett. That, he's he's a really good player, but I know what you mean. I know what you sure. mean. And, you know, the Lions and the way Aiden Hutchinson is playing kind of changes the profile of that front from a schematic standpoint compared to the other teams. I think the Lions have a little bit more firepower to work with with James Houston and Aiden Hutchinson, uh, but they have younger linebackers there with, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez and Jack Campbell, and I know they still have Anzalone and kind of a rebuilt secondary. So I'm still getting up to speed a little bit on this new Lions back end. I'm interested to see if it's going to be a much different scheme this season and what they've deployed the past few weeks. I know they had a nice day yesterday uh, getting the win as well, but um, that's a really funny trend there. And I don't know if I can say for sure if it has some advantages, but I know these quality control staffs do some crazy research in finding the lineage of these coaches and their trends and, uh, you know, structural themes. So if there are any similarities, I would fully expect that the Packers to find them and fully want to attack them like they had the previous weeks. Yeah, they've, they've had some specials every week, basically. They have the throwback screen in week one. They throw, yeah. the, they throw the leak to Luke Musgrave, a play that I don't think in that form that they've run in the Matt LaFleur era, really, they've run little versions of it. They've run like they had a low red zone leak to Al Nazard and some of these interesting little looks. Week two, they go flea flicker on the very first play. Like they've been dialing up these specials. And it just, I, I was someone last year who's going, this offense needs some juice when Christian Watson's hurt and Romeo Dobbs is in and out of the lineup. It's just like, you got to call some of this stuff. Every other team, like the Chiefs, I, I say Andy Reid is an egoless play caller because he will just say, this is a special. We're going to run it. And it's going to work. And so Matt LaFleur not being afraid to call that, it seems like there's a, a difference in the mindset there. If you're a play caller, like, why would you not do this? Like, yeah, you, I think, you, you, know, you watch a lot of the Eagles. They bit. always have specials. A little bit of an offensive purist where he's a bit of a football 101 guy. So I don't know if he was bringing this, you know, boyish, creative kind of mind that maybe Mahomes brings or, you know, you know, Mike McDaniel down in Miami, where it's like, yeah, I saw this on Friday. The hell with it. Let's install this and do it. I don't know if that was the Rogers tone, uh, at least from my perspective of what I've heard. So I love seeing a youthful kind of, you know, thought process and think tank put into this. And those are the best offenses in the league. I hate seeing those archaic John Gruden offenses, Sean Payton offenses, where they're dusting off the playbook from 98 just thinking this stuff works, guys. This works. It's worked for 20 years. You got to change with the times. You got to be innovative and you got to have those quirks and wrinkles and install plays each week. Matt LaFleur has done that beautifully in his career. I remember a few years ago, just the mesh concept, obviously the two shallows and the sit route. He kept tagging different routes to it where he had the Aaron Jones slant and go off the backside and other double moves and little through routes through it. So Matt LaFleur is always trying to add and tweak to his scheme. Now it's just a matter of if the quarterback was receptive or not. And it seems like we have a young one that's probably on board with some creativity and tapping into some new ways to attack defenses. Let the record reflect. I did not set Ben up to say anything about Aaron Rodgers. He chose to do that all on his own. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the difference this year of having speed on this offense and Christian Watson, not even out there on the field. It just seems so apparent that there's a different level of fear that, that defenses have Luke Musgrave down the middle of the field. They didn't hit that, that pipe shot, but it's there. And now defenses have to go. Open. Oh, yeah. okay. We got to deal with this. Jaden Reed from the slot. 
all due respect to Randall Cobb, Jaden Reed moves differently right now than Randall Cobb right now. So how do you see speed being a, a way that this team, when we see, we see it in Miami, right? Can, can be changed in terms of the schematic advantages it can create. Well, certainly speed explosiveness is what everybody wants on the outside to threaten defenses, get safeties to consider you more back up a little bit. And second, you know, the second defenses have to be reactive and on their heels, you got them right where you want them. And I really want to say this with some decorum and detail. I think Jaden Reed and Romeo and dubs are outstanding for first and second year receivers. Their separation skills are advanced, more advanced than Christian Watson. Christian Watson is a explosive, holy crap receiver. He's a bit of a linear receiver, and that's okay. He can win straight down the field. He can win horizontal. He can win those crossing routes, but he's a bit rigid in his separation and kind of getting himself open, and then obviously the battle in the hands within that as well. I think that has a role on the offense, and he's going to do a great job in that. But Romeo Dubs and Jaden Reed are going to be the guys on third down, and this young kid, Jordan Love, trusts them already. He trusts them to get open. Now, Love needs to be a little better on some of the easy stuff. His location's a little off at times. He throws some in-between balls on those goes. Is it a back shoulder or a fade? You know, the speed out to Romeo Dubs on second and five? He missed that throw by two yards. He put left that inside. I mean, that's pick six country right there. But the decisiveness and the trust that I'm going to rip it to these young guys, these kids separate. These guys snap out of breaks. I mean, watch Romeo Dubs on this one uh, crossing route. It was actually a little bit low and behind him on the throw. He snapped away from Marshawn Lattimore a good three to four yards. These guys know how to separate. It's really exciting to see. And you know me, Peter. I don't care if they ran four, three or four, four or four, eight or four, nine. Yeah. If you know how to separate and catch the ball, you got a place on my team. So those are the two things I need from you. Catch the ball and separate. Don't lose sight of what the receiver's job is. And, and don't, don't forget about Dontavian Wicks because he had a sure. couple of plays where speaking of snapping a route off that out route, that deep out on third and 10 snap that corner off. I think that was Marshawn Lattimore, by the way, yeah. And, and that is, he, he has some, the, the ball that on the boot action where he threw to, to Wicks coming across and Luke Musgrave almost tipped it yep. again, release supreme. Um, so just, just a, just a name to watch. All right. Unfortunately, on 13 this. keeps showing up, but with question marks on my notes, I swear he runs a wrong route once a quarter, but he, he's going to get player. that with the this offense. Is, this and, is going to happen. I, I can't say it's always him. You know, busted coverage is the toughest coverage to figure out. Yep. Wrong routes are the toughest thing to assess who's wrong on that. So you have a young players all over the place. There's a lot of wrong stuff going on. And believe me, big plays can happen off a wrong action too. So it's not to say it's a complete doom or gloom. Uh, but 13 does show up from time to time running a wrong route, particularly on one of those low red zone plays. Uh he was kind of caught in no man's land with an out route coming right at him with Jaden Reed yesterday. Yep. Uh, that was kind of glaring. So that they still they're, almost completed, by the yeah, way, which is wild. Those. They're going to get them cleaned up, and it's a young team. This is the kind of yep. fun and dysfunction you get with it. You are the comp king, and so I've been struggling to put together a Jordan Love comp because usually guys who have some of the accuracy issues that he's dealing with also make bad decisions. It's like the Jay Cutler effect. 
some of these guys who are just like, you're going, oh, come on, this guy cannot, if you're inconsistent in one of those areas, you're usually inconsistent in both. So as we sit here right now, he, he's got more athleticism than like the Jared Goffs and the Jimmy G's. He's got more high-end arm talent than certainly than, than a Jimmy Garoppolo or Brock Purdy. So like, do you, do you have a, a good feel for a comp right now for him? As far as a pro comp, man, you put me on the spot just a little bit. Let me let that percolate a second there. But, um, you know, I think what he has brought, you Someone know. Someone gave me Donovan McNabb earlier today, which is a little yeah. bit of a throwback, but right in your wheelhouse with the Eagles. And then uh, the other one I really liked, just with his his desire to push the ball down the field, but there's some inefficiency there, Warren Moon. Just like, I'm going to, I'm slinging this pill down the field. Warren Moon, obviously a Hall of Famer. So like, let's not get carried away. But just from a, a, a skill and aesthetic standpoint, I really like the Warren Moon one. Yeah. And I actually really like the McNabb one. Um, McNabb just wasn't as decisive and anticipatory in some of his throws. Yep. But a home run hitter and lived yeah. on being a home run hitter. You know, I think Jordan Love, I'm, I'm actually going to balk on that because you know, I'm very passionate about my comp, so I don't want to just throw out a half ass one, but I will circle back with you at some right. point. Sounds um, good. But the Love stuff is really interesting because there's so much good and bad within the same kind of context, like the decisiveness. He could look really decisive. He could look decisive into bad looks, too, where it's he made a decision pre-snap, and he's making a dangerous throw here. Like he threw a slant into a robber safety uh on third down might've been second down that could have been a hospital ball if it was a better thrown ball. So there's some that, you know, he looks really decisive. That's great. And there's some where he's a little bit fooled with that decisiveness. So there's some good and some bads and, you know, for every good of Jordan love, I have something to work on too. You know, he can extend plays. He likes to drift out the back door just a little bit too, which is a really bad habit. So there's so much to clean up. I don't know if you watched the Washington commanders yesterday, Peter, Sam, how first year starter. He had himself a bad day. And I got news for you, Packers fans. Jordan Love's going to have a bad day. Yeah, It's going to happen. Now, does he bury himself? Where does the confidence go after that? Do they rebound? I'm excited to see. But this was a great microcosm of within-game adversity in him coming through. But he's going to have a bad day eventually. So I, I hope he'll be better for it. It's going to happen. Uh, and those are just the trials and tribulations of a first year starter. But I hope to circle back with you on a comp because I'm really excited for what he's shown. The athleticism, the playmaking, the creativity. You can design some QB runs too. love that zone read in the low red zone. You need those plays to keep defenses on their heels. He can do a lot for an offense, clean up some accuracy, clean up some decisions. They got something special here, Peter. I can't wait to get the comp from you. You are the comp master. Ben, this was great. Always love talking ball with you. Can't wait to do it again. Thanks, man. All right, thanks to Ben for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. I just, I know that these these interview shows have been going a little bit longer. I'm just having too much fun talking Packers ball this year. This is such an exciting time, an exciting season for this Packers team who could very well be 3-0. and And they, you know, they just as easily could be 1-2. and That's how the cookie crumbles. They blow a, a big fourth quarter lead. They erase a big fourth quarter deficit. 101, probably right where they should be. Couple coin flip games. You win one, you lose one. Makes sense to me. Back tomorrow, Lily Zhao. Zhao, you doing? Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like we will be on Thursday night, after Thursday night football, Packers Lions, go subscribe to us on our YouTube page so you can stay Locked on Packers.